Hi, this is Sophia again. You're listening to Just the Nameless Podcast. Welcome to episode two. My hope for the future of this podcast is that, um, obviously, I'm very, you know, I'm very passionate about being creative and artistic excellence. So I do want to see um, this podcast improve in 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 sound quality and uh, production value and all that. Um, but I want to build slow. And right now, this is just raw, and this is what it is. And I, I think um, it reflects where the podcast is right now. Uh, we're just starting out. Uh, glad you could join us. Um, you know, these days, it, it feels like, um, obviously, the world has changed. and. Um, you know, there are, um, you know, some people that I listen to who are, you know, experts in geopolitics and all that. Um, you know, I listen to their podcasts and they make some observations that kind of lay in the ground floor of this dread that we feel, this sense of unease um, that's beyond just the personal. Um, yeah, we're all going stir crazy. We have cabin fever. You know, some of us are frustrated that uh, why is this going on so long? While others of us are frustrated that you know why don't people understand that like we should stay inside? And you know, everyone has their own uh, different viewpoints and frustrations because each of our experiences through this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic is different. Although the same, but different as well, depending on where we live and all that. So we're going through our own personal experience of this. Um, it's harder for others, easier for some. But listening to this podcast, <laughs> what these, um, what you know, they they kind of lay in a groundwork. It, it's kind of like, you know, imagine this house. And you're you're in your bedroom, and you're like, oh, I'm stuck in this bedroom, and I can't get out. And you know, I, I think I hear some noises in the living room, but I I don't know what that's really about. And then listening to this podcast feels like a knock at the door, and they're like, hey, you want to know what's been going on on the ground floor, on the basement, in the foundation of this house? Come follow me. Let's check it out. And then they they take you down to the basement and they turn on the lights, the flashlights or what have you, and you see the boiler and you see the laundry and you see the 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 the, the electric meter and and you see um this thing that you didn't even know was there, and this person is shining a light on it and says, "Yeah, um." This is kind of, there's a thing here that undergirds all of your discomfort, all of your dread, um, that the world is changing, that the world has changed, that the world is never going to be the same. Um, on the news today, they just said that JCPenney is filing for bankruptcy. Um, that's another legacy company that's disappearing. Um Gosh, I remember during the 2008 economic downturn, Circuit City disappeared. 
Circuit City. Um, so they say a lot of these jobs are not coming back. They're not coming back. Um, and 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 so here's the thing. Here's kind of like the this is what's going on in the ground floor that that I found out listening to this podcast today. They're talking about how um, because America's leadership on the world stage has been so um, weird um, through this pandemic, even before that, but especially through this pandemic, what what this is doing is this is positioning um, authoritarian countries like China to be able to appeal to other countries and kind of evangelize saying, hey, look at America, look, look, look at what a mess that place is through this pandemic. They can't keep it under control. Uh, why? Because our system is better. Our authoritarian system is better. We're able to uh, uh, monitor people better. We're able to, we have all this surveillance technology that's working uh, uh, to our advantage to track and trace and do contact tracing and all that. And um, yeah, it's kind of um, like th there's this vacuum of leadership and uh, you know, it's, it's like, uh, Others are, are filling it in, you know. Um, now, it's not to suggest that uh, I, I, the, 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 the point that they were making was that America should be coalition building as we have been. Um, but that's kind of gone out the window right now. And, um, and yet... We are the most uh, rich nation on earth still, the most technically advanced, technologically advanced. We're the greatest producer of food and blah, 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 you know, on and on. And we're, you know, just kind of sitting on our butts, not doing anything to help the rest of the world. Or, and they were saying we should be helping our fellow American citizens first, but we're not even doing that. All that great. So. If it has ever felt like we are staring into the gaping maw of despair and death, and just if it feels like we're, we're like we're like we're sitting in a cave of death and decay, uh, the reason why it feels that way is because, um, in a sense, we are. Um, in a sense, we are. And you know, there's a story in the Bible that literally takes place at the mouth of a tomb, which was in a cave. Uh, it's at the tomb of Christ. And Mary Magdalene, one of his disciples, she goes to the tomb early in the morning um, and she's freaking out because the stone entrance has been rolled away. Oh my gosh, what's going on? She goes in and the body is not there. The body of Jesus is not there. So she's crying. She's, this is like the worst. When you thought you couldn't hear 
another piece of bad news, it's like, hey, we can go even lower. We can go even worse. We can go even darker. Your master, whom you have been following and devoting your life to, not only was he crucified, now his body's gone. Someone's stolen it or something. And as she's crying, she notices that someone's standing behind her, and she hears the voice of this man who says, Woman, dear woman, why are you crying? Ma'am, why are you crying? And thinking that he's the gardener, because this tomb was also in a garden, so uh, assuming that this is probably the gardener or something, she says, Sir, if, if, if you know where they've taken the body of my Lord, just tell me and I'll, and I'll go fetch the body. No, no problem. I'll do it. You don't have to do anything. I'll just go get the body. Please just tell me where the body is. And she's probably thinking, this can't get any worse. And then the gardener says, Mary. And then she recognizes him. She says, my teacher. And the risen Jesus says, go tell, my, go, go tell the disciples that I'll meet them in Galilee. And she runs back to where the disciples are, the other disciples are. And she says, I have seen the Lord. In the place of death, she gets to see someone who conquered death. In her place of despair, she has a moment of, of, of recognition that there's something more going on here. There's something more going on here. This person that she thought was just the gardener turns out that she that this person is the Lord himself. And it, this gardener, gardener is actually the gardener, the one who was at the beginning of creation at, 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 the, at the Garden of Eden. And, and this one who defeated death is, is now bringing uh, the new Garden of Eden to bear, into reality. Uh, into the thing that's supposed to happen at the future, on the last day when all humanity is supposed to be resurrected. Jesus does it way before. And he's kind of pulling the future hope into the present. So the future hope is new creation. It's new heavens and a new earth, a renewed universe. And Christ, with his resurrection, brings it forward and says, we can live in that new creation reality now. And heaven can invade earth. The new creation can creep into the, the, the realm of death. And in this place where it's a tomb, there can be a garden. And this gardener, turns out, is the gardener, in fact. And, 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 and this gardener, the reason why you're able to recognize this hope in the midst of tragedy, the reason why you can taste that there's something beyond what's going on, that there's a reason to hope, is because the gardener knows your name. The gardener knows who you are. The gardener knows who you are. Um, 
there's a passage in scripture, it's uh, Psalm 29, and let me just kind of read a portion of this to you. It goes like this. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness. That voice that splits cedars calls out your name, knows your name. The voice of the Lord speaks to your heart and says, I know who you are. I know your deepest, darkest secrets. I know your most desperate hope. And I can name them. And I know who you are. Though no one else may recognize your true hopes, your true dreams, your true fears, the true you that you feel like you can't reveal to anybody else, the voice of the Lord says, I know you. And the voice of the Lord calls out your name. And when you hear the voice of the Lord calling out your name, You're going to find yourself in a garden that intrudes upon a graveyard. You're going to find that the stranger that you thought was just another stranger is actually God trying to say, I love you. That voice. I hope you and I can hear that voice. You know, before I was able to, you know, accept myself as trans, because I was raised to be homophobic, I was raised to be transphobic, and I was raised to believe that LGBTQ people were kind of being used by Satan for his nefarious plans for humanity, to turn humanity against God. Um, I, I was brought up to believe that if someone is gay that they're 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 spitting in the face of God, especially trans people. What a great transgression, no pun intended. And so imagine when I one day started to feel gender dysphoria, which is the greatest despair that I've ever known, a constant sense of grief as if someone I love has died, except that someone is the me that could have been, the me that should have been, and somehow I'm stuck in the wrong parallel universe, and I've been born not with a female body that I should have. This sense of this is impossible, this sense of God, but I still love you. God, I still want to belong to you. I still want to love you. I still want to serve you. But God, how can I be trans? How can I be now the enemy of God? This makes no sense. And in my prayers of struggling, what I was trying to convey to God was, God, you know me, don't you? 
You know that I love you more than life itself, don't you? You know that I would never do this on purpose, don't you? Don't, God, I hope you understand what the hell I'm going through. God, I hope you understand. And, and, and because I couldn't help but feel this dysphoria, uh, I felt like it reminds me of a scene from The Walking Dead. It's in the earlier seasons where um, in, the, in, the, in the main group that we're following on the show, it's the zombie apocalypse. It's a group of human survivors. And uh, there's this lady. I, yes, her name is Carol. And she's taking care of these two young girls, their sisters, right? And they're children. And they're living in this world where zombies are after them. And if a human being is dead, then the virus is already in everyone. So as soon as you're dead, you just turn into a zombie, even if a zombie didn't bite you or infect you, because you're already infected. And throughout, what happens is this girl begins to do weird, creepy things like uh, uh, capturing rats and experimenting with rats and 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 playing with with zombies like they're tied to a tree and she's like treating them like a pet almost and she's growing into this morbid curiosity to the point where she endangers the life the life of her little sister and she's the and she just has no idea that she's doing something wrong to endanger the life of her sister so this girl has basically snapped, is unable to live in this new reality, and she's endangering other people's lives. So um, it goes to the extreme, and it becomes very clear that there, there's no other way. Uh, this girl is irredeemable in the story. So Carol takes her outside and says, hey, let's go you know, like, we've been cooped up in this cabin, let's, you know, let's go out into the field. And then, as the little girl is looking at a flower, Carol's standing behind the girl, Carol pulls out a gun, and she's crying. She's like, I don't want to, you know, she doesn't say it, but it's like, I don't want to do this, I love this girl, she's become like my own child, but I have to do this. And Carol says, just look at the flowers. Meaning, don't look at me. I don't want you to even know that this is about to happen. I don't want you to feel, uh, I just want you to go quick and peacefully. So just look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. And she pulls the trigger. And that's that. That feeling of, I don't want to do this, but, I, but, but I've got the gun in my hands. And it's like, please don't look at me. I'm, like, just look at the flowers. Like, that's how I felt. As I was wrestling with my love for God and this very real uh, involuntary uh, experience I was going through, uh, this trauma, this dysphoria that was not by choosing. And I felt great conflict. And my prayer was, God, you know me, don't you? You know my heart, don't you? that I still love you, and that if this is a sin, I want you to tell me to stop. I want you to tell me that I'm a dirty, rotten sinner and tell me to stop. You know my sincerity, God, right? You know that I love you, right? I don't know what's going on, but 
you got to believe me, God, that I still love you. And I'm scared to death that I've become the enemy. I'm scared to death that. And then in my prayers, I begin to hear God's voice in my heart saying, I am with you. Meaning, I know you. I know who you are. And I know your name. And I'm with you and I'm on your side. And I know how difficult this is for you. But I'm with you. And you can do it. You can make it. You can do it. I know the sincerity of your heart. I know that you love me. And you are not my enemy. You are my child. And I call you by your name. Yes, we are indeed living in scary times. And yes, it's not an illusion to feel as if you're sitting in front of an open grave. I just hope that the voice of the Lord, when the voice calls out your name, you'll be able to recognize the voice of love. That you'll be able to recognize the voice of hope. That you'll be able to recognize the voice that says, yes, there's a grave, an open grave, but look around you. I am the gardener. And you are in a garden that's invading this graveyard even now. There's something more to all of this. There's something more. And it all begins when you hear God call your name. That was another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Thank you for subscribing. And uh, if you like this podcast, thank you for leaving a nice review for us. And um, yeah, tell your friends, share us on social media. We are at Just the Nameless, at Just the Nameless on uh, 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 what is that called? Twitter and Instagram. Um, Thank you so much and see you next time. Or not see you, hear you next time.